In today's episode, Dave interviews John Rubino. John has been in Seinfeld and According to Jim. He's done voiceover work for Pinky and the Brain, Superman, The New Batman Adventures, and Rugrats. He's an alum of the Second City and has worked with Dave, Steve Carell, and Amy Sedaris. I'm Ian Foley, and this is ADD Comedy. Everybody in that fucking chair, something happened where one, one event or they got one gig that totally opened them up to everything else from that point forward. That's the way it happens, man. Right. It's that one minute, that one second. Right. That one thing. Now, what you do with it is your thing. Well, the thing is, you, yeah, yeah. Well, one thing that you don't want to do with it is judge the fucking thing. What, when you get the gig or, or get that moment? Get that moment. Go, I don't know if I'm going to do this. Right. I don't know if I'm going to do this. Right, no. And I, I mean, for me, I don't, do you know how I got hired? I don't know if you do. Remind me, remind me, remind me, remind me. So, I moved to Chicago. From? Denver. Right. And, you know, I'd done music before I moved to Chicago. You play a mean trumpet. Play trumpet and sing. Right. So. Cornet or trumpet? Trumpet. What's the difference between a cornet and a trumpet? They're in the same key, but they're a smaller instrument. It's, it's like if you put a trumpet in a trash compactor, and some people say they have a mellower a mellower tone. But they still have the keys. Yeah, three keys, same, yeah. uh-huh. same key. Do you other. play it? A cornet? If I had one, I could play it, yes. It's who's the same the, thing. Who's the cornet player? The king? Yeah. Uh, like Bix Beiderbecks, oh, yeah, like yeah. that. It's an older kind of, you know, yeah. I'd say it's a, a, not a ragtime, but a Dixieland kind of uh-huh. instrument. You often think of, it associates with Dixieland right. jazz and stuff like that. That guy was a character. Whew. Man alive. Heroin addict? All of it. Yeah, all of it. He did it all. All of he it. Did. He did it all. Put me down for that. Yeah. You have some of that? Yes, yes. Oh, please, more. Uh, yes. Oh, uh, let me play something brilliant for you. Okay, now give right. me some more of that. Chet Baker played the trumpet. Yes, he played trumpet. And, and he was uh, a still more of that. I'll have some of that. I'll have a little of that, too. And that cat, he was, he was yes, yes, yes. He was yes and. Right. Uh, all the way to out the window. Right. <laughs> Oh, out the window. Yeah, but he got some disease that he, that just sucked him dead, didn't it? Or was he just an addict? Because oh, the total later junkie man. Yeah, yeah, junkie. The later the later pictures of him were like, oh Whoa, man, that is one of the greatest like falls ever. You you see that guy when he first hit the scene in the West Coast scene, he was absolutely stunning. Right. I mean, the guy looked like a model. Right. I mean, he is what. You know, Calvin Klein wishes he could have on his commercials. Right. right. Here's a guy, the essence of cool, sung with that kind of whispery, right, just seductive voice, right, just phenomenal styling, phrasing, right. Then picks up the trumpet, and plays this minimalist, just the coolest shit you can imagine, right. And then he goes from that to like this. Dried up cigar in the sun. I mean, <laughs> he looked like an AIDS, an AIDS riddled person before, before that was cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, he you was, know he was trashed. And I mean, there's this one clip of him playing in Torino, I think in 1953, something like that. And he is the essence of cool. He's got these glasses on. He plays. It's unbelievable. But if you notice. If you look at the clip closely, you can see it on YouTube. If you look at it closely, the cat's missing his front teeth. Right. And he went through that several times. He had his teeth punched in by dealers. You know, he got his ass beat. He got his horn stolen. He pawned his horn. It's like Art Pepper, that famous picture of him walking up the hill over here in um, um, Silver Lake. Yeah. 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 That yeah. was he took that the morning they took that cover of that album the right. morning he got out of prison or yeah out of jail. Why isn't there a story about Chet Baker? You know what I mean? Like that's an awesome story. Big, big oh, no, no, no. That, 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 that story. Look, I I'm not saying you should do it, John. I'm just saying you might. I don't know. If that's no, you, I no. have actually toyed with the idea of doing something on stage first, right? With uh, the Chet Baker thing, because can uh, you play like him? Yeah. And I can, you know, faux sing like him too, sort of. But uh, uh, the thing well, is, not many so... people have that, have my weird skill set. <laughs> God bless. That's why you're here. Uh, he had that song, like he made that song, which is just such a fucking dumb song. We're going steady. 
right? Yeah, that song? yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, but it's such a weird song. But he put his thing on it, and it's like it's like corny but cool. Exactly. It's not. It's not. You you don't you go. I think they're talking about going steady. And like this is a teen song, and yet here's and then this you guy realize, playing it. You know, he's talking about pounding dope into his veins. <laughs> We're going steady. That's cute. Right. It's cute till you break the needle off in the vein. Needle in the vein. Uh, so you were saying we got out. Oh, uh, how I, how I. Oh, how you got to Sing City. Uh, Sing City. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I moved to Chicago. Uh, actually was taking Donnie's class. Donnie DiPolo. Had the only game in town at the time. Uh, at Second City. Yeah. How did you get to Second City? I don't mean to, I mean drove there, but how, how is that you decided no, no, no. that's the uh, place? A friend of mine from Chicago, uh, Tony Contro was what a great name, Tony Contro, a woman. What a great Antonia name, Antonia Contro. Antonia Contro. Yeah. God damn. Yeah. What did she do? Uh, she is an artist, mm -hmm. and uh, what kind of artist? She just uh, you know modern art kind of thing. And so she does painting. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, also, t t her grandfather started a little thing called Radio Flyer. The uh, wagons. Ever heard of wagons? Right, <laughs> yeah. the wagons. Yeah, the, the ubiquitous wagons. wagons. Right. Anyway, so. I love that word, ubiquitous. Yes. Go ahead. So, she was out skiing with a friend of mine, because mm -hmm. they knew each other in Colorado. <laughs> and we were skiing at a basin, one of my favorite ski areas on the Front Range. Mm -hmm. And we were just screwing around all day. and. At the end of the day, she goes, you know what? You're really funny. You should think about this place in Chicago called Second City. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know anything about it. What year was that? God, probably 80. God. Could have been 80. Yeah. I, it was before I graduated from college. Mm -hmm. And so, you, you and I are the same age, so that would be 81, 82? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but this was before that. And I was also working downtown. Downtown Denver? Yeah. At this place. Uh, it's a comedy club, actually. But I wasn't doing anything there. Is it still there? Yeah. 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 Um, On the corner? The joint in the corner? Downstairs? Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. So, before it was that, now what it is now, it was just this tiny little place. Mm -hmm. And uh, Stand up? No, no, no. I wasn't doing anything. I was not performing oh, comedy. Oh, got it. I was just, You're working, just working for them, kind of doing... Uh, some advertising stuff because I have a degree in advertising. Right. So I was doing. Is advertising a journalism degree? Yeah. Me too. So um, I was doing stuff for them, and a group came through called Duck's Breath Mystery Theater. Sure. Out of the writers program at the University of Iowa, you know the famed writers program. Right. These guys all got Vonnegut together. Vonnegut taught there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Mr. Science came out of there. Right. With those guys. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's yeah. right. So anyway, I saw their show, and I was just like. If something clicked, I just was like, well, hell, I could do that. Right. As it always does with all of us, right? Right. So that's that moment. The I could do that, or I want to do that moment, too. Exactly. I want to do that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to take a moment here to go, know that fucking moment. That's what we're talking about. Don't diss that moment. The well, moment that you go. And people who are in tune with life, <laughs> which is actually sometimes rare. Right. Most times. I have to recognize that moment. And oftentimes those moments happen in people's lives and they don't. Right. Because they're not, for whatever reason, they're saying, I can't do that. I'm not supposed to well, do that. Right. That's they put up roadblocks. Right. As self-destructive you know, or whatever. Right. And they never pursue that thing that really clicks with them. Right. So anyway, I saw the Duck's Breath Mystery Theater and I went, well, you know what? I don't want to be in Denver anymore. Sold everything. Uh, hooked up with Tony's friends and stuff. Moved to Chicago. Got in Donnie's class. Um, and I'll this I'll tell you. I, I, I left the day before I left Denver. I had skied. It was in March. I had skied in the most unbelievable light powder condition. I mean, it was, it was perfect. Perfect. I drove into <coughs> Chicago and everything was just great. 
Sky was gray. Street was gray. Snow was gray. People were gray. You know, food was gray. Right. And flat. And flat. Yes. Everything was gray. And I was just like, oh, Christ. I was like, I've made the biggest mistake <laughs> of my life. I, I really, really was. That was the moment that you got there. You didn't even get out of the motherfucking car. and they were No, driving in got on it. the highway. Right. Right. So I go there and, and get in Donnie's class. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it was four months after I get there, I have an audition at Second City. So I go and I totally screw it up. Mm -hmm. I mean, I stunk the place up. I just... Do you remember who you were auditioning for? All of them. All of them. Joyce, all of them, they were just sitting there looking at me. And I'm just up there taking a big old dump on the stage. <laughs> I mean, I'm just shitting the place up. It's it's awful. I walk out of there and I know it's, you know, I'm just like, oh, Christ. Now, in retrospect, I had no business auditioning at that, that moment. That soon into it. Right. And of course, you know me. After that, I was like, after I didn't get the call, I was like, hey, fuck Second City. I don't need Second City. <laughs> I'm going to do my own thing. Right. So, so you know, I go into all these other groups, uh, the, com the company we keep. With who? Thursday, uh, well, this was like a murderer's row. Right. The company we keep was me, Barb Wallace, Kevin Crowley, Tim O'Malley, uh, Doug Stevenson, Dave Lumen, uh, Christina Dunn, and myself and Melanie Randstrom. Melanie Randstrom. Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of like a murderer's row. Right. And where'd like, you guys, you guys played it? Uh, what, what? But first, before that, I hooked up with two guys in my class, uh, a male model. This is weird. Truly, a male model. And uh, this black guy we called Black Caesar. And this, we had a group called What's Left. It was the three of us. We played at Zanies. We played, yeah, we were one of the only few comedy groups to ever do Zanies. We opened for Leno one night. <laughs> <laughs> and what were you doing? Just improvising? No, we had sketches. You had sketches? We do dumb sketches. I mean, really bad sketches. Um, uh, uh, what happened? We what played Byfields. I mean. And you got, you got paid. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who booked these things? We went around and just pimped ourselves and uh -huh. people just, they were like, what a bizarre combination. Right. You know, this guy who's like gorgeous, this this like greaseball dude here, and this black guy. Let's see what the hell they are going to do. So we'd get up there and do the dumbest sketches ever. Was Byfields in the Ambassador yeah. East? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I so remember walking to the stage. We had to go around the back, and we walked to the stage, and I saw the biggest cockroach I've ever seen in my life. It was like a horse. That reminds me of what what I remember you doing. A mouse, a mouse rat ran back on main stage. Oh, that's a whole epic tale. Of... But but didn't that happen? Yeah, yeah. So the mouse ran. The a mouse, mouse or a, a rat. rat? It was a it was rat. rat. It was a rat. Yeah, it was a rat. What happened? So Do you want to tell the story? You don't want to tell the story. We were on stage. Uh huh. And on main stage. Yeah. At Second City. Yeah, and the, mm -hmm. and the, the rat comes out on stage, and the crowd goes, huh! and the audible gasp from the crowd. We turn around, the rat's just there, taking his, taking his moment. <laughs> and he just split and ran off the stage. But the other rat story is... Um, Wait, but this, I think this is the other rat story. Well, the other rat story is in the book. Okay. Most people don't read the book. Oh, okay. Do you want to tell that story? It's in the book. Yeah, no, this is... This, okay, this is a quick... This is a quick... Distend, uh, this is called ADD. We get to go wherever the fuck All we right. want. All right, so... I'm working on the main stage, and I'll I'll get back to how I got hired because it it was it well, was the moment mm -hmm. that changed my life. Got it. But we come in on Tuesday after our Monday off, right? For rehearsal or for the show? Just the show. Yeah. The green room reeks. The green room reeks more off. than it normally does. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. <clears throat> this this is an outside source. This is. <laughs> <laughs> the green room reeks of death. Right. I mean, just like, God damn it. And I'm kind of a fastidious fellow. Yes, you are, man. <laughs> you're put together and you're clean. <laughs> I have little tolerance for that kind of thing. I'm like, God damn it. What the fuck is going on here? I start tearing that green room apart. And then I get this couch, which just looked like mold anyway. That green couch. Yeah, that green thing. couch, sure. I slept on that green couch. I 
No, no. I did. Pardon me? I slept on that green couch. Not fucked, but slept on the green couch. No, I understand. Yeah. Right. But Yeah, I know. Yeah, I shouldn't have. Wow. Yeah. I was tired. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Delirious. <laughs> Delirious as well. Wow, you'd been up for what? A month? <laughs> I'm I think I didn't go home. I think I slept in the theater. I think that was one night where I was like, fuck it, I can't. I can go to the theater. <laughs> Wow, you're very mad. I did that on main stage. I did that on ETC, too. Oh, boy. Anyway, keep going. Lights go up, lights go down, I go home. <laughs> <laughs> I figured out how to turn the lights on. But, so, yeah. so I pull out the couch, and underneath the couch is a glue trap. On the glue trap are two rats. One is alive. One is dead. The one that has still is alive had been cannibalizing the dead one because no one was around to feed it. Right. It was the weekend. I mean, yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. No one was there. Right. So it had cannibalized the one that was dead. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, oh, right, right. Keep going. I'm a calm fella. You're, you also <laughs> know how to get a job done. I just, I went, motherfucker. I just, I, I was pissed. I, I'm, you know, I shouldn't have to work with, Decaying animals. Right. I mean, is, is that too much to ask? I think somewhere in equity, you read down on the fine print. <laughs> it says you don't have to work with decaying animals. It's kind of a given in most places that you are. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> so I look around. I'm like, this one that's alive has got to go. Right. And then we got to get rid of this. So I look around. There's a two by four there as a prop. From who knows what scene, or maybe a wrestling scene or something. <laughs> so <laughs> I get the end of that thing and just crush the skull of the live one. Nicely done. I saw you in my mind as. But a... here's what happened after. Then I look around and there's a pitchfork backstage. I scoop the, the rat, the, the uh, glue trap up with now the crushed skull of the rat and the cannibalized rat on this glue trap stuck and by the way rats hiss do you know that no yeah like cats well or a little bit snakes? a little bit they, when they're trapped and right. really when they know the, the end is near they kind of yeah it's weird so i scoop it up with the uh pitchfork take it into the office and put it on the desk <laughs> let's just say that the uh powers that be Powers of B responded to that and uh, brought the uh, exterminators in. And the exterminator, then I talked to the next day. I said, uh, what's the dirtiest place you've ever seen in the city? I'm sure. He goes, oh, one place in Chinatown. It's a Chinese restaurant. It's foul. Second dirtiest place, next door. I'm like, what? The steak joint. Never eat there. Never, ever eat there. I'm like, why? He goes, that used to be a granary, and underneath there are all these, like, catacombs and shit. And he said, and the, the uh, walk-in freezers are made of wood, and the, the rats have eaten through the wood. And he goes, I go in there all the time and open the door, and there's rats sitting on steaks. Don't eat there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, had, I had never eaten there, and I, I no. never did. No, I, was, I, I remember walking into that place, and it was always dark. Yeah. And it was always like a, it was as if they took a mansion from a hill and then brought it to it North. It was like Wales. a filthy whorehouse or something. Right. That, that was a th the theme was nasty filthy whorehouse. Red. Yeah, yeah, it, that was the theme of the rest. Nothing says raw meat like filthy whorehouse. <laughs> <laughs> so getting back, <laughs> getting back, so you are uh, so you do your own show with. So uh, I'm doing all my keep. company. We keep Thursday Club. You know, blah blah blah. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I, we created our own crew and we did a lot of stuff. Well, Barb went into Second City. O'Malley went into Second City. Kevin Crowley went into Second City. I'm seeing all these people I work with get in Second City. And finally, I'm just like, wake up, Dunce. You know, you have to get in Second City. That's why you moved here. So right. I go in, <clears throat> I call up Joyce and I, I schedule an appointment and go in and see her. And this is, you know, four or five years after I got there at this point. That's a long time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. 
Yeah, and I had been doing my own thing for a very long time, which in the end actually helped. Of course. Because I really made a lot of mistakes there out in the world at shitty clubs, you know, Keefs and, and right. Joe you know, Keefs bars. Club. Yeah, right. bars all over the place. You know, I made a lot of mistakes there mm-hmm. that I learned not to make at Second City once I got the shot. You were also working with some awesome fucking human beings. Well, that's true. I mean, you know, just that that list is right. And, did you and Joe, Li- or, uh, uh, Joe List was all kind of in that crew too. But Joe Keefe, I got to say, he's the one who put that initial group together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he's one of those people that's kind of an unsung person in the history of some groups. He was there very early. Yeah, he was. Yeah. What about uh, Jeff but, and Jane? Did they were they part of? Well, uh, here's the part. Here's the, this. Yeah, this. Was, I did take some classes from Jeff. Jeff Michalski. At Second City after uh-huh. Donnie. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, uh, and that's how I knew Jeff. But I go into the Joyce's office and I go, look. Joyce Sloan, the producer yes. of Second City. Yes. The, mm-hmm. From which we all spring. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I go in there and I said, look, you know my work. You've seen my shows. Uh, I, I, I want to work here. And I'll never forget this. Clear as day. She goes, today's your lucky day. And I had that exact look. I had the look on your face is exactly the RCA Victor dog is the look I had, man. Like, huh? Huh? What? Huh? Five years I've been killing myself and now this? I could have just had a meeting. Yeah. So she said, today's your lucky day. I was going to call you and uh, we want you to be in the touring company. Exactly. Exactly, man. Just wait off. Just like... I mean, very emotional. Right. Because, you know, Christ, all that work. Right. She goes, come with me. We go backstage, uh, or back to the ETC, rather, and they're rehearsing a touring company back there. And Jeff was directing touring companies at that time. Right. And he said, she said, uh, Jeff, I'd like you to meet John Rubano. He's going to be the newest member of the touring company. And, you know, Jeff and I had known each other for a long time at that point. And he goes, hey, John, how are you? Great. I think it's great. That's perfect. I'm just like, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how it started, you know? That, and shit doesn't go down like that anymore. Everything's so No, codified. people, well, people don't get in without an audition. Well, it's, well, that's not, I don't know that to be true. I don't know that to I mean, not be no, true. I mean, no, there are some. Right. Yes. But there I would also some, say. But, but for the most part, people audition. There's a system Which and is, people do the well, system. now, yes. Right. Then you audition. Right. There wasn't the system system that there is now. Well, you 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 heard the story of Corell and, and me. Yeah, that was right. great. That's so, a beautiful story. Right. right. Uh, but it's that it's that idea. People have to listen to that episode. But it's the idea like back then it was like a theater. It wasn't right. a, it wasn't as businessy. Right. And again, here's another thing. I could be wrong. It could be like a theater now. Um, but I love that camaraderie. No, but the thing is, they, they see you coming up through the system. Right. It's, it's the farm system. Right. So they see you coming up. Right. They had to actually go out and see you then. And here's another And Joyce thing. would. Right. Joyce would go out and see shows. Right. To farm the talent. Right. I also want to say that you, which is a lot of people sit in that chair, do the same thing. You go, I, that's a place I want to go. But there's a little circuitous, circuitous route that I'm going to be taking called what I have to do in order to get there. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Sure. And, and well, it's that's a, life. But, but there's a lot of people that go, oh, I didn't make the audition. God damn it. Well, I'll work at Erickson Bakery or whatever that fuck it's going to be. You know, who oh, would just no. stop right the no, fuck no, there no. or I, I, go I'm in not, and no. be upset about it. I'm not that way. No. I, I, I have always gotten to where I want to go, but very slowly. I'm not the flash in the pan. Overnight thing, right? But what I've wanted to achieve, luckily, uh, I kind of have. It's it's been and it's been a blast on your on on the terms that match you. Well, yeah, as you well know, you've right. known me for what twenty. Uh, I've been out here for twenty years. All right, so we've known each other. Jesus, 20, 28? Who was in the touring company when you were when you were in the touring company? Who was in the touring company? Who was in that touring company that that you joined? Well, the, the thing was, it was so fat. It was it was well, it was you. 
But I, so it was, so you joined our, I know, I think I, I don't see that's, that's a blurry part to me because it all right. happened so fast. And I was not in the touring company long. I was in the touring company, what, four, five months? Did I tour with you? Yeah. We did tour together. Yeah, UK. I, this is a beautiful tale of love. Um, <laughs> we were somewhere warm and you came out to the pool. Yeah, that's right. You came out to the pool. We were all at the pool and you came out to the pool. We right. looked over. Dave, you're wearing a Speedo. I know. I told that story the other day. <laughs> so what the fuck am I talking about? Of course we turned together. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, and that was the last time uh, that I is, wore a Speedo. And the final... <laughs> Why? It's so Euro, Matt. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, like but that was the Jewish one. Kid. That was the story of uh, Jackie Hoffman in the bar. Do you remember this? No. You're kidding. Maybe I do. Alabama. Keep going. Oh my God! You don't know this story? No, no, I probably do. Keep going. We're in a bar after one of the shows, and this is a redneck bar in Alabama. Mm -hmm. Okay. She's holding court, Jackie Hoffman. Mm -hmm. Just doing her thing as right. she does, right? Beautifully, and these redneck bartenders and all these big old, you know, good old boys are hanging out, and they just go, "Jackie, you know what? You're not, you're not too bad for a Jew girl." Without missing a beat, she says something to the effect, "Well, you know what? You're not so bad for a fat pig fucker either." <laughs> She'd get away with that. Can't we all just get along? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I remember some of those tours. I remember some of those tours, and some of those tours are just kind of like, we did that, we did that, we yeah. did that, we did that. Yeah, you know, and then, like I said, very shortly after, I was kind of sent out to... Uh, Northwest. Northwest as a sergeant in arms, because that cast was up in... Sean Masterson, Tim O'Malley, yeah. Fran Adams. Yeah, and I remember <laughs> both, both Joyce and Cheryl saying... You know, you go out there and kick some ass. Right. Straighten them out. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like the new guy, really? Right. So, but, yeah. Um, there was, a, it was kind of a mess back there. What, in Northwest? Yeah. Northwest? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was a mess. Yeah. Um, yeah they, I do remember us the, in between shows on Friday night and Saturday night Kenny. going over to Walgreens and getting a 12 pack of beer and drinking in the van. Or Kenny's car. With right. The, with the uh, Afro Sheen stain on the. Right on the yeah. ceiling. Yeah, <laughs> and he does blame me for saying, for cursing him, saying when he got the new car, I said, "Kenny, this car will never be cleaner than it is right now," and it was absolutely never cleaner than it was the day that he bought it. Never ever got cleaner than that. Never got cleaner than that. But the touring that we did, I think, and then we went with, the, but the shows that we did at Northwest Second City Northwest, which is a satellite place out there, you and Corral and 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 Ruthie, uh, yeah, Rudnick Ruthie and Fran. Franny. Sean, right? Um, um, uh, 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 and but there were some great fucking scenes back there. Oh yeah, yeah. No, we uh, the inmates truly were running the penitentiary. No question and about it. No eyes were on you, right? And it was a further extension of the ability to absolutely fearlessly walk into that light and totally fall on your face and not be afraid of it, right? Which is. I believe the greatest gift Second City gives everyone. Absolute fearlessness. Mm -hmm. If you take it for you know what it is and, and what you can do with that. Right. You can take that fearlessness and then, you know, you can go into any situation. It's that great phrase like what, what could you do if you never think that you could that you're gonna be wrong? What you know, if, if nobody ever is gonna say oh, you're wrong, yeah. what fucking great things could you do if you knew that everything you did was right? Right. On some level. And at Second City, you know, we're paid we were paid to fail. Right. Right. Even on the main stage. To a degree. Nobody ever I never felt that anybody was ever judging me. No and, and I and I felt like everything that any idea that we had was going to work. Yeah. And <coughs> it, it was it yeah, it was. It's... And the people that we work with also, when you're around a group of people that feel the same way about failure that you do in a good way, right? You just go, every, the world of possibilities exists. Right. Because then nothing truly is a failure. Right. Right. Because there's nobody judging that. Yeah. There's nobody looking at that saying, this is right, this is wrong. 
There's some scenes that made it and some scenes that didn't. Yeah, but, but there's out that... of the scenes that didn't make it, if you're doing it right, you learn something. Clearly, and it leads to something else. Yeah. And I remember, I think, one scene, John, I've only, I only remember one scene that came out of um, a freeze tag, and it was throwing a baseball, two guys throwing a baseball. And I think that we did an ETC scene where it was about throwing. Do you remember? Does this sound familiar to you? It came from. It was. It was a. Because I didn't do ETC. Really. Not ETC. I'm sorry. Northwest. 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 We were throwing a baseball. And it was seen about baseball and catching oh, and. Wasn't it about? I was the dad, and you guys were. It was competition for the dad's love in between. Yeah. yeah. It was like the great Santini. Yeah. That sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. that was the only scene that I ever did. And you, Kenny, was. A guy who was dating my daughter, mm -hmm. and he was over watching you two vie for your father's love. Right. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and yeah. a lot of the scenes. You and Steve. Right. Yeah. Steve, what happened to him? <laughs> um, a lot of the things that you brought to it, and Steve brought the same thing, was I'm not going to do that kind of. Scene. It's not that I'm not going to do that kind of scene, but you brought up you brought a level of quality to the work that was more theatrical, that was more focused, and that was more, I'm going to say this, mature. Well, as, due to the fact that I probably was older, just in life, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I got in Second City late compared to what most people So did I. Right. In, you know? Yeah. And I think that actually helped. But you didn't, have a, you didn't have a theatrical background, did you? No, it was all music. Right. All music. And there's the, the which is really weird how it just is, the circle has come back around. In what way? I think I know, but keep going. Well, I mean, I you know, I, I've been in the Sacred Hearts now, Jim Belushi's band, and toured with Dan Aykroyd, uh, doing the Blues Brothers now for twenty years. Who knew that I you know I started out as a musician in Denver, right? Played in a big band. Uh, how big? The, how big of a big band? What's the biggest big band? Eighteen bag? piece. Eighteen piece big band. Yeah. Doing yeah. standards mostly. Oh yeah, no total American songbook right. thing, man. Uh huh. White tuxedo, the whole deal. Nice with the bandstand things, oh, yeah. the little boxes. I mean, the whole deal, like we were plucked <laughs> out of the forties, man. Um, Kurt Golitz big band. This guy was too much, man. Wait, Kurt Golitz, crazy that German weird? dude who would like pound on the piano just. Play his ass off, and he <laughs> he was <laughs> he would cut off the. We'd be rehearsing, you know. I was like fifteen, <coughs> sixteen when I started. With Jesus, that yeah, yeah. Here is a funny thing. I was like, I was playing professionally in high school, but got a D in band. Because <laughs> I don't know if you know this, Dave. Sometimes I like to cause trouble. <laughs> <clears throat> so he's pounding on the keys Kurt Golitz <laughs> And he would He would like Cut off the band This is fuck He would <laughs> Say the craziest things The Barry Sachs one time Had this like solo You know Barry Sachs solo Right <laughs> Nice instrumentation Kurt <laughs> He said When we get to that I want you to Fart it out Farted out. Okay, right. <laughs> I mean, it was it was crazy. This How big's the band that you play with? Uh, uh, the Belushi or uh, the Ackroyd thing? Uh, the Blues Brothers band is uh, three backup singers, of which I am one. Right. Uh, trumpet, sax. Which you aren't. No, you're not trumpet. No. Um, <clears throat> these guys. I mean. Right. They're the real deal. Yeah. <laughs> the Session guys. Oh. Yeah, I mean, they've played on Stones albums, Little Feet, uh, Taj Mahal. I mean, they they are the shit. They're the real deal. Uh, Daryl and Joe, unreal. Uh, in fact, the whole band is just like Murder's Row, All Stars, you know. They've played with them all. And you Bonnie never, Raitt, you know, it, everyone. And you never get tired of it. No, 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 no. It's... It, when Jim Belushi uh, said to me, come down and sing with the band at the House of Blues on Sunset, I was like, no, I know how musicians are. And I'm not going to subject myself to that because 
I have been a musician and I'm not going to do that because they are way more clicky than actors even, which is phenomenal, but true. So I was like, no. So he, he kept hounding me. You got to do this. You got to do this. You can sing. You got to come down. Finally, he broke me down and I did it and the rest is history. But <clears throat> my thinking was, you know, look, you're an actor and you're singing with these guys. Uh -huh. And now you're going to invite your buddy, the actor, to come down and sing with these guys? No, 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 no. A major part of it is the story that you tell yourself who it is that you are and how you escape that sort of thing. You know what I mean? The moment that you let go of that there's the, that you are this guy and you are that guy, now you're able to do both those things, and of course it comes naturally. Well, I always did. I mean, look, but there's music, a lot of people music is, is I, look, when I really think about it, I mean, I like acting, but music is, is it's my thing. Right. It really is. It always has been. My, mm -hmm. my grandmother was sang at the Metropolitan Opera in the 20s, and that's where I got it. I mean, she... What was her name? Marielle Scalo. <laughs> yeah. And that's her real name? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, she, uh, she, she studied in Italy and sang at... Um, I'm blank on the name now. Well, in, in Milan. Uh, La Scala? La Scala. Sang at La Scala, <clears throat> mm -hmm. and then made a debut at the Met in the 20s. Yeah, and then sang all over. Are there records that you have of her? Yes, yeah, 78s, you know. Right, right. It's <laughs> <She is> great. <laughs> right, but right. She, she's ama she was amazing, and she really, I mean, we'd sit downstairs uh, when she would visit. In and, Denver? Yeah, and I'd play the trumpet. She'd go over my lesson for that week, and we'd go over that. And then she'd say, now we're going to sing. You have a voice like a bell. You must sing. That's what she said to me. I'll never forget that. And I don't know. You know, I just, I, when I sing, I feel better than anything else. Well, I, I you, you fucking belted out. And, and to watch you and Carell uh, and, and Ron West, that when you guys would do, um, what was that? The last superpower. Exactly. Exactly. And that, that, that was mostly acapella or all? Yeah, acapella? all. It was all acapella. And when listening to you guys right there, it was one of those, the perfect, the perfect harmony because it sounded like, there can't just be three people there. It sounds like there are five people there. Well, Tim was there. That's right. But still, <laughs> it sounded like, and still, it sounded like there were more people there. Yeah. Because Tim's a great singer, too. Yes. Tim is an awesome, Tim O'Malley is an awesome singer. Yes. And boy, can he belt it out, too. We were <clears> lucky. <throat> we were lucky. You know, there's so many casts that come through there that have. Who wrote that song? Ron? Limited. I don't remember. Did Fred? No. No, no, because we had Ruby. Ruby, that's Ruby. No, she wasn't. She didn't like that. Right. I think Ron, Ron may have. It sounds like a Ron, Ron West song. Right. Yeah, it was kind of based on the boys to men thing uh -huh. a little bit. Did Did you work with Fred Cass, the late Fred? Oh Cass? yes, 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 yes. Fred, man. Oh, in Northwest, right? Yeah. Fred actually uh, directed out right. there. Yeah, Fred. Phew. I mean, cat's cat, man. Right. Original right. beatnik cat. I mean, uh, but it's one of these things where you, you go, he, he, he's from an, that era of Second City that you, that you it's the, the, the black and white photographs of Alan Arkin and, yeah, and, and, yeah. and Barbara Harris and all those people just standing around you going, sharp suits, fucking yeah. great. And, and, and to have worked with him, you know, I just was honored. Right. Because he was, you know, he, he was the guy who invented it. Right. He invented it. Yeah. He invented, prior to that, there was an accompanist. Right. And what Fred did was... He, he became part of the crew. Absolutely. Because he's, not only was he listening, he was leading. And he was also the... Pro, wow. And that's why I think when it comes to jazz music, talk about Chet, ba Chet Baker, Big Spider back less than Chet, Chet Baker to a certain extent, the improvisatory, the improvisational aspect of all that. Because... Fred brought that into... Well, it's the same thing. I know it's the same thing. It's the exact same thing. But he brought it in on a level that was like, oh, I get it, man. I get it. I get and it. I forget where I heard this, but it's like... It's, it, where did I hear this? It said, music is what all the other arts aspire to be. That was said at the memorial. I yes. think Pasquese said that. Yes. Yeah. And it's so true. 
Right. Because it's really, when I think about it, when, when I, I, so I remember, true. I remember going to, I remember taking my first improv class and I had, I had heard the Duke Ellington big band play and then I, they played Sophisticated Lady. It was the first big band song, the first jazz song that I heard. And I remember weeping. I heard that song and I heard, um, ah, Sophisticated Lady, uh, 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 I used to visit all the very gay places that come on. Oh, yeah, places. yeah, yeah. Uh, Lush where, Light. Yeah, Lush Light. I heard both those songs and I, and, and then I heard the band go off into this yeah. improvisatory thing. And then I took classes at Sex City. It was like, oh, that's exactly what that's doing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, you, you heard that and I went to a show. My dad is a jazz drummer, still is. And, um, I'll never forget, my mother and my dad took me, because I played trumpet, and I believe I was eight, to a Concord Jazz Festival thing. And in one show that changed my life, this is who I saw. Count Basie, Duke Ellington, Ella Fitzgerald, Cannonball Adderley, Stan Getz. <coughs> is that enough? Uh, <laughs> wait, who else? Yeah. Yeah, and I'll never forget that, that that seeing that even at eight, just I went, that's it, that's it. That changed my life. Right. That changed my life. Right. And really started me thinking at that age of like a life in performance. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Because I said, you know, look down there. These people are, are like having fun. They're having fun. And look at the fun they're giving these people. This joy that they're giving these people. It's right. just like, this really you can do this? Right. And and you know chalk it up to your parents who go who took wow. you there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, my parents were pretty hip. Right? Yeah. Hip and well, hip. Yeah, I guess hip. And my hip. mother was a lifelong educator. So, you know, she saw every bit of experience as life and education right right so yeah and she would take us to places that you know we used to go down to the crusade for justice in uh, denver which was you know la raza unida you know we'd go down there and, and go to the mariachi mass in the back uh in the back uh parking lot now after the shootout with the denver police we never went back there but <laughs> they were consecrating, uh, you know, tortillas as the host and all kinds of crazy stuff back there. But, you know, this was, you know, the people's struggle. My mother used to get this thing called the uh, Catholic Worker. Uh-huh. Was that like which, a socialist thing? Yeah, it's like right. a commie paper right. for Catholics. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It was one cent. Dig this. The subscription was one cent for life. <laughs> and but living your life in like taking your kids to these events and, yeah. and 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 then encouraging them yeah the people that well I, I, I but you know but when you come from a music and uh, journalist background and then after college you ski for a couple of years and then tell your parents you're moving to Chicago to get in a place called Second City, they're like, oh my God, what have we done? No. <laughs> Did they say that? Uh, my mother was like, uh, oh, yeah, she's like, okay, go, you know, go try, go do what you need to do. <laughs> and my dad was like, well, when you come back, you know, you have to get a real job. <laughs> but he's a drummer. <laughs> right. But well, he also had a legit gig his whole life. Uh -huh. He played drums at night. Got it, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. My family, we had, my folks were part of the civil rights movement in Chicago in the yeah. early 60s. They were part of the folk scene in the late 50s. Um, we had art, we had music in our yeah. house, and we had all that, and we went to plays. They encouraged me, and then there came a point where they did, where they kind of were going, no, 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 no. But that was also coincided with my drug use. Um, uh, but... After a while, you know, just to know that your folks, it, it, it's again that, that same thing where you go, what if you grew up and your folks were going, yes, 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 yes. My mom did. Yeah. My mom always did. She would, uh, yeah, she wanted me to go to like 
experimental schools and mm -hmm. all this stuff because you know i was not a good student i raised hell in school because mm -hmm. it was boring so i'd try and excite it up <laughs> let's cause trouble <laughs> were you ever in like a quartet or a trio in music yeah no no i was always in you know big band or uh -huh. something yeah yeah do you still go to see music you know what? That's kind of the crazy thing. I've done so much now that when I'm off, I kind of don't want to do music. See right. music? It's weird. Mm -hmm. You know, occasionally I'll go. Yeah. Occasionally I'll go. And, uh, but I, I, yeah, I don't see a lot of live music anymore because I do it. You live, you live so fucking large. I mean, it's just like, like when I think about you, I always think about you smiling. I think about you laughing. I think about you cycling. I think that's a whole nother thing. That's a whole nother it? thing. But I, but your cycling also has to do like like the accident that you had. Was it called? Would you call it an accident? Were you a, attempted murder? Right, attempted murder. <laughs> that attempted murder. I, I when I think about when I think about things like vengeance or I think about uh, uh, revenge. Oh no, or you got to let it go. That, but that's the whole thing. And your story is a fucking awesome motherfucking story. You got to let it go. So this is in Chicago, right? Yeah, yeah. Before I got in Second City. And you're riding, you're, you're cycling. I'm, I'm riding home from work. Mm -hmm. I worked at Maury Magus. Right. Before I worked at Second City. Sure. They, for some reason, wanted on LaSalle, me to pay on LaSalle right? Yeah, right? yeah. LaSalle and uh, what, Ontario? Yeah. Or right Ohio. around there. My cousin worked there too. Yeah. My so I worked in the shop there, mounting skis, fixing bikes, stuff like that. The stuff I had done during college. To, in Denver. Know, yeah, in, in CU, mm -hmm. in Boulder, to make money. Right. So, um, I'm riding home and, uh, by the biograph on Lincoln, right. And this dude just swerves out and I had to swerve to miss him and go on to oncoming traffic, which I missed and then got back in the, uh, lane. Well, at the next light, I pull up and I bang on his window. I'm like, Hey man, you pulled out. You almost hit me back there. Very calmly. He rolls down his window. He goes, if you don't watch it, I will run you over. He go, well, first of all, he said, you need a license to operate that thing. And if you don't watch it, I will run you over. A license to operate a bicycle? That's what he said. I'm just reporting, <laughs> I'm just reporting the news. <laughs> so, uh, at the next, I just went, wow, this guy, this cat's gone, you know, he's not there. So I got back on the bike and I was riding up and he started swerving over at me. He pulled up next to me and started swerving over at me. I never knew this part of the story. Yeah, so mm. I got off the bike and I went up on the sidewalk and I suggested that he get out of the car and we'd have a conversation of sorts. Because uh, <laughs> I... Right. <laughs> I don't go that way. <laughs> you, don't, you, don't, you don't converse that way? or you? Well, don't... look, when somebody threatens you with a car... Oh, goddamn right. Right. You right. know, if he right. gets out of the car, it's right. on. Right. Still to this day, somebody threatens me with their car, that's it. You know, right. I, you get out of the car, it's on. Right. I, it's just, I will not have that happen to me ever again. Right. So. He didn't get out of the car. No, of course not. Right. Because he's a safe little man in his car. <laughs> like a lot of people in L.A., you right. know. Oh, yeah. Any, anywhere. Right, right. Right. So he's driving along. And he sees me at the next light. And he looks over and he just cuts the wheel and starts coming over on me. I jump on the bike, go up into a gas station. I hear from, I'm thinking, I'm going to duck down this alley. So I'm going through this gas station parking lot, heading for the alley. And I hear the engine revving behind me. All of a sudden, the bike just starts going at this crazy rate of speed because he hits me from behind. The bike spins sideways. The bike falls down. I fall on top of the bike. The car drives over the top of me. I get hooked. He drags me out of the gas station, through the dip, down the street. And uh, this is a whole nother, I could go on and on, but the short end of the stick is somehow I roll in between the front and rear tires and the right rear tire rolls over my chest. And then I am systematically shat out the back of the car and I find myself laying face down in the street. Never lost consciousness and was freaked out realizing, hey, you've just been run over by an automobile. You, you, it's sort of like you were just almost, you were shot. 
<clears throat> you were the attempted murder. Yeah. Right. Yeah, no, right. this guy tried to kill me with his car. Right. So I'm laying in the street face down. I thought, shit, you better get up or another <clears throat> car's going to run you over. So I get up. I look down the street and he's hauling ass. I mean, he's, he's blocks away already. And my uh, left eye orbit was cut and, and uh, cracked and blood was just pouring in my eye. So I'm wiping my eye. And then I try to put my mouth together and my jaws dislocated. And I walk over, finally walk over to the uh, sidewalk and sit down. This woman runs up right in front of me and I'm sitting on the sidewalk or the curb rather with my knee bent. Mm -hmm. And uh, <clears throat> this woman runs in front of me and just starts screaming like, ah, ah, ah. I'm like, why is she screaming? I know my face is cut, but why is she screaming? I look down at my knee and it's just, just filleted open to the joint. My kneecap is under the skin to the right. Oh, and you don't feel it. No, no, no. I'm so shocked out. Right. No, I don't right. feel it. You don't feel it. And I look in there and I see the knee joint and the lower part of my quadricep is cut in half. And it's quivering, right? This, just, this is this is a, this is a, a podcast episode that isn't for the squeamish, but keep going. Yeah, this is Southport and diversity. <clears throat> and I said to the lady, "Call an ambulance." So I just laid back, and the meat wagon took me away and sewed me up, and no broken bones or, you know, I have had no repercussions. Didn't you from see that. him again? Well, therein lies the rub. <laughs> uh, yeah, I had been hired at Second City. Uh, Sue, my wife, and I, I believe we were married at that point. Yeah, we were. We were married. And, you know, everything was going really well in Chicago. And everything I had gone there to attempt had transpired. Uh -huh. So life was good. So I'm driving the car one day down Southport, right by Diversity, like two blocks away. And it was a light blue four-door Chevy Chevette. <laughs> and I would always just look at those cars. Just, I mean, trust me, you would look at every one oh, of yeah, those yeah, that yeah, comes yeah, along. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I looked over, and I see this car pass me, light blue four-door Chevy Chevette, and I'm going the other way. And I look, and I'm looking at the guy, and I'm like, oh, my God, that's the guy. And at that moment, see, I thought I was over it. And this is years later. I thought I was like, yeah, on, everything's cool. I just felt this wave of absolute rage come up in me like heat, like a thermometer. And I went, all right, I'm going to follow this guy. When he gets out of the car. Because it, it was him. It was him. It was him. It was him. I was like, I am just going to put this guy in the hospital like he did me. Mm -hmm. So I go to turn around, I pull over, and I don't know what came over me, but I was just like, you know what? First of all, you do that, he's going to have you arrested, and there's no proof that this is the guy who did it to you. And I just sat there for a second, took a couple deep breaths, and it just went away. I just let it go. I drove on. I drove on to where I was going, and that's the day I really got over that. That's forgiveness? Yeah, it has to be. You have to. My dad didn't understand it. Mm -hmm. He came from a very different place in the world. I was just like, look, if I do that, I'm no better than he is. Right. You know, if there is such a thing as karma, the karmic wheel will run that guy over numerous times. I don't have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and also the idea of you just letting it go. You have to. You have to. <clears throat> I think forgiveness, and I've talked about this before, is the hardest of human emotions. Because Yeah, it's true. True forgiveness. True forgiveness. I don't know what's partial forgiveness. I have no idea what that is. Well, there is a lot of that. What is that? It's just fake. It's not know? forgiveness. Well, right, 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 right. But you, you, you in your life, I'm sure, have experienced, you know, oh, I forgive you. 
and oh, and then you have resi residual. Then those people hold resentment. Right. Those know? people hold that's, resentment. That's not my resentment. Right. Right. That's right. Their right. Resentment. Right. I'm not saying. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I just was like, boy, that guy. He first of all, he has to live with that. Right. Knowing that he saw me get up out of the street in the rearview mirror. Uh huh. And he doesn't know what he did to me. As it turns out, I was fine. Right. But he doesn't know that. Right. He will never know that. Right. And you don't, and, and you, right. And because I was about to say, and you, you could give that, mo if you followed him and you stood there. No, I, a, again. I'm just saying, if you did, if you followed him and you stood there. That would haunt me. But there's also this. He might have said, I'm so sorry. You don't know. Um, True. And maybe you don't want that to happen to him. For him to say. No, if like, he could have, if, if, no, I would absolutely love to lift that burden from him. Right? What a great thing to do for somebody. I would love to be able to do that. But somebody like that, I don't think actually even cares or remembers. There's maybe. Such, right. If you're capable of doing that, then you come from a very different place. Absolutely. You come from a very... I th I think it, it really stems from self-loathing and, and you know self-hatred to be able to do that, right? So right where he, right because that oh nothing would <laughs> would have made me happier at that point because my life was really great then, but nothing would have made me happier than to have him actually lift that from him and allow him to apologize in a truly meaningful, caring way. But uh, for me, the best thing was to just drive on. Right. You, right. Right. What a great example of forgiveness. It's just an awesome example of forgiveness. And in a weird way, it's, it's an interesting gift that he gave you. Oh, yeah. No, no. No, without question, that was the best day of my life. Getting run over. It really was. In what way? I think I know, but in what no, way? No, it's rebirth. I got a second chance. Yes, you did, sir. Right. Everything after that was a gimme. <laughs> I mean, right. I had a great life before that, but I mean, to this day, I still think of that day as, you know, I see the scars on me and stuff, and I, I still think of that as the best day of my life. It was like I got total rebirth, second chance. Your yeah. bicycle saved your life. Oh, because, in many ways. Right. Because you're under you're riding underneath. <laughs> well, the, just the I was a sandwich. It, it was the bike. Right. Me, the car. Right. I get it. Right. So I only have a tiny scar on my shoulder. I know that on little my back. button, a little buttony thing. But the front of me is sliced and diced. <laughs> right. Burns. The the exhaust system burned me. I have brands. Right. Very cool. <laughs> right. Connect but if you dots. didn't have that if you didn't have that, like who the fuck knows what would have happened if the bike wasn't underneath you, right? Or do, am I yeah, just, yeah. Am no, I imagining it the wrong well, way? Well, no, no, no. The bike saved my backside. Right. The only thing happened was, that, yeah, I have this weird scar on my shoulder, and I have kind of this bald spot that was never the same. Right. Like right here, <laughs> where my head was dragging down the street. And right. you don't want that to happen to you. No. Because when your head's dragging down the asphalt, you actually think, well, if this happens much longer, it's going to go through. And believe me. If I thought like I thought, if I thought like I was thinking underneath that car every moment of my life, I'd be insane. Right. Right. Because they say that you use, I don't know what, 8, 10, 12% of your brain power in the course of a day, just kind of going through life. Something kicked in. And under that car, I thought of everything all at once. <laughs> all of it. <laughs> so while it's happening you know my head's dragging down the street and I'm thinking well if this happens much longer it's going to go through the scalp then through the bone the skull and into my brain and I'll be killed and it's very you know matter of fact it's science it, but in the moment of extreme violence it's amazing how calm you are right when faced with you know almost dying right it's a weird thing Right. But it taught me so much. 
<laughs> I, well, I've talked about it before. Like it, it's, it, it's an injury that I had. I broke my foot, and I lived in this apartment here on the second floor. And I broke my foot, and I lived alone. Yeah. And I'm by myself. Yeah. And I'm with myself, and that healing changed my life. Yeah. Me taking care of myself changed my life. Yeah. It made me more mindful. It wasn't the second chance that you had, but it certainly, in a way, it was a rebirth. The rebirth being, let all that other shit go that doesn't matter because all that you got is the moment right there. You That's, got your coffee. You got your. You got everything you fucking need. You got your and, pig, and your if we, Yeah, if we take it back to our work, it's all we've got. It's the moment. Cookies. Oh, we're talking about two different things. No, we're if we about, take it back to our work, right? That's all we have is that moment. And, and pig cookies. Well, and pig cookies. Yes. Right. But we all we Which, all that we have is that moment. And going back to Chet Baker, you know, like how that cat was so connected to the moment, but that didn't matter because he had his these other fucking demons that he gave t- attention to. Well, his moment was, you know, getting the next bag of dope. Right, right. That was it. Right. Let's end there. <laughs> On enough beat. Yeah. <laughs> getting a bag of dope. Yeah. I'm gonna eat this pig cookie. Thanks, John. <laughs> thank you for listening to the ADD Comedy Podcast for Dave Rosowski, I'm Ian Foley if you'd like to see one of Dave's improv shows or one of my stand-up shows you can get that information at addcomedy.com if you want to take a class with Dave that information is located on his website at davidrosowski.com you can also follow Dave on Twitter at drosowski today's episode was sponsored by Troubadour, a restaurant movie a new movie by Group Mind Films portraying an accurate, sometimes funny and sometimes cringe-inducing glimpse at restaurant life Troubadour a restaurant movie. Available to watch in its entirety online for only $5 at groupmindfilms.com.